LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. Hey, everybody. It is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. Hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. If not, hopefully, regardless, hopefully you'll enjoy the time with family and friends, hopefully staying warm. Um, we had a very inconvenient thing happen where the pipes leading to my sink and to my toilet in the main bathroom, main, of course, the one that I drop a deuce in every day, um, apparently froze up. So the pipes to the internal <laughs> didn't work. I got no water out. And so fiascoville just Anywho, today we're going to talk about something important. It's going to seem like you've heard this before, but I'm going to do it with a different twist because there's a saying that you're so right that you're wrong, okay? When you're so right that you're wrong and people are like dicing up like microaggressions to try to make a point and the people that don't know anything that are completely on the outside of the conversation are lost in the sauce because some asshole has come through the door, decided that they're going to be King Mr. Esoteric. I'm going to say something so off. It's right. It's correct, of course, because it's so right, it's wrong. But it's so esoteric that no one understands what the fuck they're talking about. Okay? Now, one of the things I have tried to do, and I, God, when I read the comments from people, I realize even I'm missing the mark. When it comes to trying to simplify things, even I haven't simplified it enough. And I'm like the dude of dudes, man. I'm not trying to blow you away with big words. I'm not trying to blow you away with cool guy. Like, you know, let me give you this nuanced perspective, right? I'm trying to give you the straight dope so that you can kind of take that and read and learn from these people. If you were one of those people that has a need to know, has a need to learn, has a need to understand, Hey, I relate. I'm one of those kind of guys too, but the average person simply is not. And so, so much of what we talk about when it comes to understanding federal spending is frequently talked about at a level that the person even arguing against you has no fucking clue what they're saying. And there's no way to dial it back and peel it back and try to rewrite their, the direction which they're trying to say, because you can't even unfuck it, right? It's just so foobar. There's no fixing it, right? So I want to talk to you about some things regarding the way the federal government funds itself. And by extension, we'll talk a little bit about how non-federal government entities fund themselves, such as state and local governments. But we're not going to stay there because that's not the point of this discussion. But years ago, I learned about modern monetary theory. And I say years ago, I'm talking about like during the crash, the first crash, 2008, 2009. That's how long I've been on this hamster wheel trying to make people realize that their government creates money out of thin air. Simple. And the reason why you accept the government money out of thin air is because the government imposes a tax payable only in its currency, period. And everything else after that is just whatever, right? The government doesn't print money. Let's get that out of the way right now. I hear your favorite people like Jill Stein and Richard Wolf and even Michael Hudson sadly falls down on this particular point of printing money. 
okay? But we don't print money. That's not how it works. So it's some of these things you've heard me say so many times should be like, oh, God, Steve, are you going to talk about not printing money again? Just a little bit, just a little bit, just to get everybody, for those who have not heard these kinds of conversations before, I want them to at least hear an initial entry point, and then we'll, we'll take it a little further, okay? The fact is, is that the way our government in the United States works, and really, quite frankly, all around the world, even in parliamentary uh, you know, environments and, and other sovereign governments that create their own currency, okay, they all do the exact same thing I'm about to tell you. Some of them might say, well, you got to stand on one leg and pat your head and rub your tummy. Okay. So that's, that might be one of the weird government rules that they add to the mix. But other than that, it's irrelevant. It's all the same stuff. Oh yeah. And I didn't see this. I don't want to derail this, but I want to thank double K very much uh, for the super chat and the well wishes for Merry Christmas. Appreciate that. Um, Anyway, there's going to be a lot of folks joining, I hope, today. This is a day where people should be able to come catch a little bit because it's a Monday and most people are off today. All right, let's not derail any further. We're back to it. With this, I want you to understand that federal government, by imposing a tax, okay, it's kind of like priming the pump. You're trying to pump your water into your house and you're getting no flow. It's just not pumping. There's no water coming through. Kind of like my toilets this weekend. They, they, there was just nothing pulling the water through. There was something holding it back, right? And all of a sudden, you put some lubricant in there, which is the tax, and you spend some money into the environment. That's the, the fuel. And all of a sudden, you've got a functioning economy. Why is that? doesn't mean it's functioning well, but you have an economy. Because now, you've got a need. That need is to pay your tax. This is super simple, folks. You and I, in the end, we may have to eat, we may have to do different things, but ultimately, the thing that pushes us out the door to work, et cetera, is to pay a federal tax, to pay your taxes. You may not realize, it may be like, you don't realize your heart is beating, you don't think about it, but that's, your heart not beating would kill you, right? Same thing about breathing. You have to really focus on your breathing to notice that you're breathing. It's like, Okay, I, I know I'm breathing. Yeah, I'm noticing I'm breathing. But if you're not thinking about the fact that you're breathing, you just breathe, right? You just breathe. That's the deal. You don't think about it, you just do it, okay? In this case, the tax is what you know you have to pay to get, you have to get the currency to pay the tax. All right, that's what gives our currency, quote unquote, its value because the currency, your dollar, the dollar you receive from your employer started like this. Let me tell you how the dollar you got from your employer works. The federal government wrote a bill a long time ago, maybe recently, I don't know. And when they wrote that bill, they authorized spending. Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution gave Congress power of the purse. They wrote a bill. They said, we're going to spend $10 billion on XYZ. I would love to say they spent $40 billion on Medicare for all, or they spent $50 billion on a universal health care, but they didn't do that. So I won't even say it. I won't even trick you. I'd love to trick you like that because it would be great for us to start thinking in those terms. But let's just say hypothetically, they spent $50 billion to Ukraine. They sent $50 billion to Ukraine. Government, federal government, Congress authorized $50 billion in new spending to Ukraine. All right. So that money 
doesn't exist in a physical form yet, but it was created when Congress wrote that bill. Right there, that bill represents dollar creation, okay? They submit that piece of paper over to the Federal Reserve, who then looks at that and says, oh, okay. And then they go ahead and they take this miraculous thing called a keyboard and they enter whatever the number is that Congress authorized in the bill. They enter that into one of the Treasury's accounts. Okay. Now, the Treasury's general accounts may have existing funds already in it just to clear payments. But the reality is, is that ultimately, Congress authorized new money creation via a keyboard. So they enter in that amount into their bank account, period. Where did it come from? Nowhere. It came from that keyboard. If you ask me your tax, any, no, it came from the fucking keyboard. This should be super simple. Oh, yes. Pottis, the president signs the bill into law. Okay. Go, go watch Schoolhouse Rock and check out the president signing into law. That's a bill. I'm a bill. I'm a bill. Whatever. Yes, that's exactly what happens. Hey, I was trying to stay out of the semantic zone here, folks. Mark, shame on you, two demerits. I'm joking. All right. So with that, once we have that money keystroked into the government's account, okay, reserves are made. Reserves are made because that's how the spending gets created. You have reserves in the government space, and then you've got dollars in the public space. Reserves stay in the banking system on the uh, one side of the ledger, and dollars go on the other side of the ledger for the public side. And those dollars, not the reserves, because reserves are never spent. They're used inside the banking system, and they never leave. They stay inside the banking system. When dollars are created, reserves are created. When taxes are received, dollars are, or reserves are destroyed. Does this make sense? Reserves destroyed, okay? Dollars received as tax, reserves destroyed. Zeros out, done. That's why we say that money is destroyed when it comes back as a tax, okay? That's why they say that it is destroyed when it comes back as a tax. The reserve was created, the reserve. That way, if the banks are trying to clear payments between each other, they're saying, hey, Joey made a, uh, spent 50 bucks. We got to get 50 bucks to bank A, so they just send a reserve over there, and then they bump up your account on the other side, on the public side. Private, the banking side has a reserve. Public side, you and I side, has dollars. Reserves on one side of the ledger. Dollars on the other side of the ledger, all right? This side, when the government spent that money to wherever it's spending it to, those dollars travel via reserves to their bank account, and then whammo, on the other side of it again, you've got dollars sitting there. You've got dollars sitting there in their bank account. Just numbers created via keyboard, okay? And when the government says, we are going to receive that back as a tax, it kills the reserve. The reserve on the one side of the ledger, they wipe each other out. It's like the dark crystal. You've heard me say the light and dark crystal. They come together and they're gone, right? That's what happens with a tax and a reserve. Dollar spent creates one side of the ledger, reserve on the other. Zero's out. That's the deal. Zero's out. All right. So 
what is the point of taxes, right? We oftentimes tell you that the government can spend money on anything that is available for sale in U.S. dollars. Anything that's for sale in U.S. dollars, the federal government can purchase at any given time, okay? So if that's the case, and it's not using the tax to pay for those things that it's buying, what's the point of the tax, right? Well, the tax, there's an old article. You can go check it out. Beardsley Rummel uh, spoke to it. It was four key purposes for taxation back in 1946. He wrote about it. There's stuff in um, New Economic Perspectives that talks about it. You can find many links on the uh, Real Progressives page. You can go to Levy Economics. You can go to New Economic Perspectives. You can even see this in Stephanie Kelton's Deficit Myth book. You can see it in Warren Mosler's uh, Seven Deadly Innocent Frauds book. You can see it in the MMT textbook. You can see it in Randall Ray's book, Making Money Work for Us, on and on and on. There are so many places where this is just truth. It's just the way it is, okay? Just the way it is, all right? So with that in mind, they tax for a couple of reasons. Number one, for an accounting reason, to say, hey, we want a state to show on the record that this is the value of whatever. So we've assigned a tax to correspond with the real value of the service you're being paid. There's no need for that, but there's a, they might do that for accounting purposes. It literally doesn't fund it, but they show the relationship of how much government spending and how much your taxes are. They do that for a purpose of showing you an accounting thing, to show you, hey, I bought... Uh, 10 bananas and it was $10. So they show that just to show that value, if you will. Okay. But there's no need to do that. There's no financial, there's no monetary reason to do that whatsoever. As long as there's a high enough tax to make you work, then the government can continue to provision itself. If the tax is so low or so high that the economy starts faltering, then you've got a different problem. Taxes too high, all of a sudden you've got a situation where people are literally poor. They're suddenly struggling. We are in recession, on and on and on. Because what are they doing when they tax? They're pulling that money out of the economy and destroying it. Remember, a tax kills a reserve, a wipeout, it's zero. This is why when you hear people saying they're printing money and they're just printing money, why do they print endless money? Well, they're not. Because the tax eliminates money while the new spending puts new money in. So you might ask, what is it exactly that the tax does then also? One of the things it does is create space for new spending. So if you know that the economy can only produce so many barrels of oil, if you know the economy can produce only so many loaves of bread, if you know the economy can only produce so many vehicles, if you know the economy can only produce so many houses and so many beds and so much electricity and so on, so on, so on. You might try to set your tax level to offset additional spending to make sure that people aren't trying to buy things that aren't there, driving the price up, creating inflationary conditions. This is what they did in World War II when all the production of the entire economy was put towards developing and building stuff for the war machine, making sure that Meals were ready for those soldiers, making sure vehicles were ready for the soldiers, airplanes, you name it, uh, military uniforms, medical supplies, everything was wired and geared up for the military 
for the World War II armed forces that were fighting uh, over in Europe. So in that case, they sold bonds. Why did they sell bonds? To pull money out of the economy, okay? Why do they tax? To be able to take money out of the economy to prevent people from actually buying things in the economy so that there was enough goods and services to go to support the military effort, okay? You might say to yourself, ah, this explains why a UBI would be a really bad idea, right? Because there's no productive capacity to support just handing out money, right? Unless you had a fully automated society where everything you needed was fully automated and didn't require human labor anymore, which is not anything we're anywhere near. There's no indication that that's the truth. Even though there's advanced robotics and things like that, none of that is true. And even if they automate every single uh, McDonald's in the country, there are plenty of other things that are needed to be done in your local community that aren't being done, okay? So ultimately, in the end, the tax creates room for the federal government to spend on new priorities. So they'll pull that money out, and then they'll put it back in with spending. This is one of the weird things about the perversion that is our federal government today is that they try to say, we've got to balance the books. Well, the books don't need to be balanced. That's a lie. The issue really comes down to is that, hey, we're, we're running a deficit. We've spent more money into the economy than we've pulled out of the economy. Why? Well, maybe the economy needed it. Maybe we had a, I don't know, a pandemic. Or maybe we have a situation where too many people are homeless. Maybe we've got millions of unemployed people. Maybe we need to spend more money to get the economy at the right level to be able to support everyone so everyone has a roof over their head, everyone has medical care, everyone has school, whatever it is, okay? But the tax itself never is respent. It is never repurposed for the use of anything else. It is literally there to create a need. It is there to create a need for you to work. It has created a need for the government to be able to provision itself. The tax creates the magnet at the end of the pipe. Pretend like you got a metal ball over here and you got a pipe and over here you've got a magnet. If you put a magnet over here that's not strong enough, the ball won't come through the pipe. But the bigger the magnet gets, the stronger that magnet gets, all of a sudden you start pulling the ball through the pipe. Well, consider the magnet to be your taxes. How big do we need the magnet to be to pull the ball through the pipe? In other words, how big do we need our taxes to be to create the kind of environment where people are working and so forth to keep the economy going, to ensure that we have whatever real resources we need? Okay? So all this said, all this crazy nonsense I'm talking about, it's all important. But in the end, what I think the average person needs to know is that there's absolutely no financial or monetary value in a tax. A tax does not create any extra food for the poor. It doesn't give anyone extra money. You're not redistributing a tax. That's not how it works. Tax is functionally deleted. So the act of spending and the act of taxing are two totally separate things two totally separate things.
Yes. And so I like this comment here by Cheryl Van Epps. She said, reducing excess demand. What if the actual demand still exists? Example, transportation, but the price of a car is too high for folks to buy. Demand is still there. Well, then you've got a totally different thing you're solving there. Then you need to subsidize the auto industry or something like, or subsidize people's purchasing power to buy more uh, uh, vehicles, whatever. The fact of the matter is, is that they may do that, though, to stifle transportation, to stifle carbon emissions, to stave off climate crisis. I don't know. It just as an example. Right. But it's never the straightforward. It's never the straightforward. We're taxing you to pay for X, Y, Z. We're paying for taxes to pay for X, Y, Z. That's never the case. Okay. Just like it's never the case that the United States dollar is backed by the petrodollar. How many of your favorite leftist commentators spend an inordinate amount of time telling you that the dollar is backed by the petrodollar, that the dollar is backed by oil? How many people have heard that statement? It's not true. But let me just say this. The United States government, when it spends money, it spends money on real resources, okay? So if fuel is a real resource, then fuel being scarce is a real problem, okay? So this is the kind of thing where you would want to create an environment that encouraged, God, I'm saying this just purely from an academic standpoint, not a, not a this is good statement, okay? but you would want to incentivize in some way, shape, or form the production of more oil if that's what you're trying to do. Me personally, I would rather see the tax the shit out of oil for certain uses and literally invest massive amounts of money in green energy, okay? I would like to see taxing the bads and not taxing the goods, so to speak, okay? Because if taxes don't actually fund actual spending, what they do is they create space for additional spending. Because remember, taxes delete money. They don't get re-spent. This is, how hard is that for you all to probably process that when you pay a tax, you're literally like, when you're getting chased by the IRS, they're not taking, they're not chasing your money because they're greedy and they're going to spend your tax dollars. They're there to delete your tax dollars, folks. They're there to delete your tax dollars to pull it out of the economy. And they know that you don't want to pull that money out of the economy because who does? So the tax is chased after by the IRS to delete it from the economy, not to grease palms and stuff like that. Do you understand? That's not how it works, literally not how it works. But yet you have so many people saying so many things that are so tragically wrong, so tragically wrong that people never understand. Because think about this for a minute, right? Japan, which we just covered recently at the um, macaron cheese, Japan. They don't have a uh, petro yuan or a petro yen. China doesn't have a petro yuan. Australia doesn't have a Australian dollar petro whatever. Neither does Canada. And yet all these countries operate with an MMT lens, even if they don't acknowledge it. Okay. Great, great point here. CeeLo F asked the question that I said that I'm going to get to here in a minute, but I'll just tee it up so you understand. 
What about state taxes? State taxes fund the states because states are not currency user, uh, issuers. States are currency users. Only states are currency users. Okay. So they have no ability to create their own currency. And this is kind of why when you hear people talking about creating state-based programs and they don't acknowledge that money comes from the federal government, not the states, and they don't start realizing that states are in a vicious, violent race to the bottom where they're slashing and cutting taxes to lure businesses in so that the actual uh, people have jobs in their state, okay? Because of the race to the bottom at the state level, states are frequently underwater. States are frequently suffering. State pension plans are unfunded. State schools, because schools are funded at the state and local level, those schools are largely underfunded. But yeah, sure, let's go ahead and pile on a, healthcare bill to a state that doesn't have its ability to create its own currency. And please do me a favor, if you can, never, ever say that you're going to fund state initiatives through a public bank. Please. I mean, it's okay to do little things here and there, but nothing like healthcare, right? That's just not the way it works. Okay. It's just not the way it works. So anyway, taxes create the space for the federal government to spend more. But what happens when you already have unemployment, you know you need to spend more. What happens when you have a crisis, you know you need to spend more. What happens when real situations are coming up that would make life better for everyone? Do you sit there and say, we don't have the money? Well, that's what they do today. That's what they do today. But is it real? No, it's not real. It's fake. It's fake news. So when we talk about federal taxes don't fund federal spending, we're telling you the very straight dope because what it, what a taxes, it's not, you're not paying taxes in corn, so I don't have to talk to you about real resources. We're not talking about welfare because taxes don't fund welfare. We're not talking about the military because taxes don't fund the military. So your hard-earned tax dollars never go to Israel, never go to Ukraine, never go to the military. No, they don't, period. However, you notice we never run short of money when it comes to Ukraine or the military, right? You notice we never run short of that. So there's something fundamentally going on here, something fundamentally different that's going on here. And so the idea that trying to fight about whether or not taxes fund the federal government and getting semantic about, well, the Treasury's general account or any number of things is a losing proposition because what the regular people, and I'm not here teaching class at Harvard or uh, Princeton or Brown or anywhere else. I'm here talking on a YouTube channel to mostly activists that are trying to make sense of the world around them, okay? And so when I say taxes don't fund federal spending, I literally mean that taxes, your tax dollars are not getting respent ever, okay, ever, okay? But unfortunately, there's these brain children out there, these really, really smart people that are so smart, they're too smart for their own good. And so when they're talking to someone who is uninitiated, unaware, doesn't know anything about anything, but they are dead certain that the federal government is using their hard-earned tax dollars to pay for someone else's bad decisions or to 
pay for student lunches and they don't like it or to pay for abortions and they don't like it or to pay for bombs in Israel and they don't like it or whatever it is. It's important to debunk and destroy that lie because then we can have an honest discussion about what our values are, okay? Because if you think that your hard-earned tax dollars are being wasted, which is a lie, <laughs> a lie, by the way, folks, a lie. It's not, it's not just something you got wrong. It's a lie. It's a fucking lie. Your federal taxes didn't pay for anything. Get it through your head. You look at your check and you say, where'd my money go? It got deleted. Sucks, doesn't it? Doesn't that just suck? That's probably why they don't tell you this stuff. Because the idea that your federal taxes got deleted probably sucks really fucking bad. But what do they do? They got all these pretty charts and graphs that they put out there on the federal website. This is the discretionary, but this is how much your tax dollar went to Israel. This is how much it went to, uh, you know, agriculture. This is how much it went to the military industrial complex. This is how much it went to whatever. You think about what I'm saying. Yes, and Upstate Raider is exactly correct. People who know the difference still use that language. You're absolutely correct. They fuck it up every time and they destroy all of us because of it. I think they're bad people. I think they've made a decision to fuck us all because the problem is, is that Jane and Joe six pack will still try to tighten the noose on somebody they don't like. They'll still get wrapped around the axle about making a third bathroom for people that use they and them pronouns or something like that. They'll find some way of fucking denigrating woke culture, or black people or gay people or trans people or whatever vegans it doesn't matter whoever bottom lines they got you in their crosshairs and now they can use the taxpayer dollar myth to sit there and shit on those people that they don't like and to block meaningful legislation because they think it's their hard-earned tax dollars paying for it so we've got to get rid of that thinking altogether because anyone that says it is literally hurting us they're not helping us no no amount of well this is what they understand no, it's time to shed the light on it because it's holding us back. Now, this is if you believe. This is if you believe. This is if you believe that the government will do what we say, which, you know, if, if the government was listening to us, you'd have health care right now. You'd have dental care right now. We'd already had a Green New Deal yesterday. You know, you would have free college. It wouldn't even be a thought. You'd have Full medical care is a right. You wouldn't even be worrying about it. Okay, so clearly the government is not serving us. Okay. But I always ask people when they, especially as you start looking up, up top, you know, people that know and get really esoteric and start parsing words and splitting hairs and, you know, getting very esoteric and semantic with things. I always ask, what is the capacity of the economy? How do you determine what the right level of taxation is? Because clearly you saw that the inflation that came during the pandemic was almost entirely made of two things. Number one, supply chain breakdowns. And number two, gouging. Lots and lots and lots of people that were gouging. Okay. And it was not a matter of they printed too much money. Folks, if you hear someone say that, you literally are in the presence of someone that is as clueless as can be. If someone tells you it's inflation because they printed money, you don't have to hear anything else they have to say almost. 
at that point in time, I mean, you're, you're in the teacher role. You're no longer in the peer-to-peer -peer relationship. You're now in the teacher-student role because they have literally let you know right there, bright lights. Once they say printing money, you say, mm, I think that they either are not very smart or they're using this term to kind of communicate with what they call normies, maybe. I don't know. And then once they go the full thing and they say, well, you print money, it creates inflation. Gotcha. You already know you're in the room with somebody that doesn't know their ass from their elbow. The minute they say that you got them, you know that they don't know anything. They're done. They don't know shit at that point. Right? At that point, they don't know anything. And so understanding that taxation pulls money out of the economy, doesn't ever get respent at the federal level, should be an indicator that taxes don't fund federal spending. But they do create space for new spending because the productive capacity of the economy, meaning all the cars you want made, all the uh, healthcare you want taken care of, all the schools you want done, all of you got to have the real resources there to make them work. And who else can do that? Who else can, out of thin air, make it so that's the case? Only the federal government. Banks lend IOUs. They, they create dollar-denominated IOUs, okay? Banks create money when they sit there and they offer you a loan. But that loan comes back and is wiped out. Okay? It wipes out to zero. They keep the interest. That's what the bank gets to keep is the interest. That's it. The rest of that money doesn't exist, didn't exist. It's gone. Because that bank had to go out and get reserves on the open market. Remember, I said when the government spends, it creates a reserve. Here's the money that's spent into the economy. Here's the reserve on the books. Well, these reserves stay in the system until they're either taxed away or a loan takes them out too, okay? So that's why you oftentimes hear 97% of the money in the economy is bank money. Well, it's loans, people taking out private debt. That's what it is. You call it bank money if it gets your rocks off, okay? But it's really loans because loans create deposits, okay? When they take the keystrokes, that I talked about with the federal government, keystroking new money in. It's the same thing as a bank keystroking your loan into your account. They go, instead of being able to create a reserve out of thin air, they have to go out and get reserves on the open market. Those reserves, okay, are what they end up using as their asset to your liability right, which is the debt, which is your loan, right? So the bank takes that on, and then they keep, they keep the interest. That's, that's how banks do it. That's what they do, okay? That's it. Banks get reserves. Banks get reserves. Banks get reserves. Reserves are interbanking. So you have a circle. Let's say a small little circle. This is the banking world. Not our world, the banking world. All the different banks connected. Bank A, person's banking there. Bank B, person banking there. They do a transaction. Money transfers from bank A to bank B. That's facilitated with reserves in the banking thing. And then on the other side of the ledger are dollars. Those dollars are what we spend outside of that circle. Dollars don't live inside the circle. Only reserves work within the banking system and bank reserves are never lent. They never leave the banking system ever, ever. 
And so let's just get this clear because I see somebody sniffing around here. Federal Reserve was created by Congress. Federal Reserve didn't create Congress. Congress created the fucking Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve is the United States Central Bank. It has part public and it has part private connotations. Why? Because it's the, the egress or it's like the border. It's the demarcation between the federal government on one side and the public on the other. So right here, it's like if you go outside your house and you want to check your, your old school phone service, not your cell phone, but your regular, you, you've got a phone line from the phone company if they even do that anymore, okay? And outside your house is what they call a NID or a network interface device. It's got a little teeny jack on it. When you unplug the jack, you've separated the public and the private. You've separated the phone company from the home. You separated the inside wiring from the regulated world of the phone company. That's what that little teeny plug is. It's the demark between the two. Well, that's what the Federal Reserve represents, the demark between the federal government and the rest of the world. Fucking chuckleheads get wrapped around the axle about this stuff, and it makes me want to literally sit there and drop the elbow from the top rope. Every single time I hear these semantic arguments about the fucking Federal Reserve, I lose my mind. Literally lose my mind. Okay? Lose my fucking mind. And why do you think the Federal Reserve is this big, bad boogeyman? Because Ron Paul told you. Okay? Because some chucklehead YouTuber out there created a doom video at 3 in the morning so you would get fearful. Federal Reserve, they always have some long-fingered Jewish person, of course, with a long nose, the caricature that the Nazis used. Okay, these things are what those anti-Semitic fucks do. Okay, so don't get all wrapped up in this whole, the private Federal Reserve. Talk about nausea-inducing, okay? Nausea-inducing, all right? So anyway, long story short, taxation literally drives the need for the dollar you need money to pay your tax that's what it is and just like i stated in the beginning it's just like your heart beating or your breathing you don't really notice it until it's a problem then all of a sudden you're like oh shit where do i get money to pay my tax bill right that now now you're in a different place but all along you just keep moving your heart's beating your lungs taking in air everything's good to go until there's a problem, then you notice it, right? That's the deal with taxes. That's the deal with the federal government requiring taxes because the government needs to be able to provision itself. Now, mind you, we don't like the government spending huge money on the military industrial complex. We don't like the government spending money to Ukraine without giving people health care in this country, without taking care of student debt, without making sure we have a Green New Deal. We don't like that stuff. We really don't like that stuff. Okay, that doesn't change the fact that the federal government can do it. The federal government could spend $20 trillion right now if it wanted to, if the real resources existed, could spend $20 trillion on the military industrial complex. And if the real resources are still available for sale after they spent the 20 trillion on the military industrial complex, we would still have unlimited ability to be able to pay for student loans, student uh, lunches, uh, freaking housing is a right, healthcare is a right, you name it. There would be nothing preventing that, even if they spent $30 trillion on the military. 
The issue is, do we have the real resources? Do we have the capacity? And if we don't have the capacity, the federal government can subsidize industries to increase that capacity so that we do have those things that we need to survive, okay? And once we get to a point of saturation where we've exhausted the productive capacity, both of the domestic economy and the external economy, the, the foreign sector, the, the um, you know, balance of payments between countries. Once we've created enough and we don't have any more ability, at that point in time, you got to raise taxes to create new space, to eliminate spending elsewhere so we can repurpose it elsewhere. That's where taxation comes in. Okay. But there's no amount of taxation that pays for your programs. So when Bernie goes out there and tells you he's paying for whatever with a Wall Street speculation tax. No, let's, uh, I'm going to finish what I'm saying and then I'm going to answer Alex's question because unfortunately you've probably been listening to people that say the petrodollar is a big deal. We're going to nail that in just a second. In fact, let's just nail it now. The petrodollar is what they call a numeraire. In other words, it is saying, hey, we're going to price barrels of petroleum in U.S. dollars. As opposed to pricing it in chicken necks or turkey legs or, you know, sexual favors, we're going to price it because what is the dollar? It's a unit of account. It's a measure. It's an inch. It's a pound. It's a dollar. It's a yen. It's a ruble, whatever. It's a unit of measure. And so they've made the decision to purchase uh, oil. You purchase them with U.S. dollars. Okay. These are reserves. Does that create a special deal of power with the United States and the rest of the world that requires petroleum purchases done through U.S. dollars? Ah, uh, yep. Does it give a special uh, strength and stuff like that? Yes. Does it value our currency? Absolutely not. No more than it does for Japan, who has a vibrant economy, than Australia, that has a vibrant economy, than the UK that has a vibrant economy, than Canada that has a vibrant economy, than China that has a vibrant economy, okay? The petrodollar is just a numeraire, is we've decided we are going to price it in this thing right here. Now, for countries that aren't on US dollars, that don't use US dollars, don't have massive amounts of US dollars, they have to do something to get US dollars to pay their oil. That might be trading. That might be selling the one currency for another currency on the Forex market. It might be any number of things. They may have to do business with the U.S. to amass enough U.S. dollar reserves to do something. But if that ended yesterday, the one thing it would do is literally, it would literally create a power void, which I'm not against, by the way. Okay. It would create a power void that out in the real world would take countries from having to get U.S. dollar reserves to pay for their fuel purchases. That's about it. That's a big deal, but that's nothing to do with backing our currency with the petrodollar, okay? Just like all those countries I labeled off before, there's nothing preventing us that would add volatility possibly to the oil and gas industry, which already has plenty of volatility but it wouldn't do much of anything. 
Exactly, Wesley. Thank you so much. Petrodollar is taking talking about a relationship with foreign markets, not actually anything to do with the U.S. dollar itself. Precisely. Precisely. Stanley, that's a, I mean, excuse me, Wesley, that's a gold star comment, buddy. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. So at this point in time, I'm hoping that you understand, number one, that the tax is what provides the, the need for the currency. You need the currency to pay your tax because you can't pay your tax. This is going to kill libertarians. Can't pay your federal taxes in Bitcoin because the purpose of federal taxes is not funding them. Do you understand? They're not interested in money. They already create it. They're not interested in your money for that purpose. That which they create freely. Oh my God, we can't operate if we don't get so-and-so's money. We, we need them to at least give us Bitcoin or something. Oh my God, however, will we survive? We create the current, oh yeah, we, we create the currency. So clearly, clearly we don't need, clearly we don't need their Bitcoin. Okay. So you know that taxation does not pay for jack shit. However, on the flip side to that, it creates space for the federal government to make more purchases, to do other things. It makes the government have the ability to create additional space within the productive capacity of the economy. Imagine, if you will, hypothetically, 350 million people in America, we all get a UBI. Every one of us gets an additional $1,000 a month in our pocket for no production. We didn't create anything with that. We just, here's a thousand bucks. Go live la vida loco. There is no productive capacity to meet that. There's no productive capacity to meet that. Great. Another great point by Wesley. I want to put this up here too. The U.S. can use petro exports to drain U.S. dollar liquidity from foreign markets to help strengthen the U.S. dollar on the FX markets, helping create global South debt crises, but again, not the credit theory of money. All right. All right, that's getting a little deep in the hole there, Wesley, even though I agree with everything you said there. The point of doing this thing here is that we are surrounded by people that know a lot of really important factoids, a lot of important factoids. But in the end, you need to know the federal government, when it spends, doesn't require your tax dollar to spend a nickel. It creates money out of thin air, okay? It taxes so that you need its currency because the only thing you can pay tax in is its currency. You can't pay it in Bitcoin. You can't pay it in chicken necks or sexual favors. You can only pay it in U.S. dollars because the purpose of the tax is, again, not a funding operation. It is merely to make you need the currency. And once again, I will repeat the magnet thing. The magnet is the tax. The ball is you and your money. That You're not doing anything. You're not moving. You don't care about that money at all. 
until the tax gets to a point high enough that it says, hey, I got to do something to get money. That tax sucks you through. Once that tax is high enough and it brings the ball through, you've got the right level of taxation, so to speak, right? That's kind of the, the way to think about it, all right? Tax too high, you can kill the economy. Tax too low, you can have incredible inflation because of a lack of real resources, not because of spending too much money, not because of printing money, but because of not having the real resources to back the spending. Okay. Give you an example. I work in IT in the real world. And in that space, I oftentimes will buy many, many millions of dollars worth of routers and switches and servers and stuff like that. I need to know eight to nine months in advance what my purchase is going to be because it takes eight to nine months now because of supply chain issues to get some of these larger devices. So that means the whole process by which I realize whether I'm gonna buy these pieces of equipment has to start even further back. So that whole cycle may take two years to do, three years in some cases. So spending was authorized three years ago, but the gear itself isn't available till, I don't know, two and a half, three years later. So in the end, Taxation is really, truly not about spending. It's never a monetary operation. It's never intended to finance Medicare for all or finance the war or finance universal dental or finance a tree planting program where we try to retrofit, put trees on, or retrofitting every smokestack in the U.S. U.S. federal government, if it could buy the gear to retrofit every smokestack in the universe it could do it as long as it was for sale in u.s dollars and the real resources were there again taxes literally do not pay for spending period at any time ever so when you hear nina turner go on to uh, uh, television or a tweet your hard-earned tax dollars are going on the taxpayer dollar donald trump went on a trip on the taxpayer's dollar immediately once you hear that you know they're lying to you Whoever said that is literally lying to you, treating you like a bitch, treating you like a dummy because it didn't happen, period. Even if you do like them, Bill Clinton, you know, went and got his winky stunk or whatever taken care of on the taxpayer dollar. No, he didn't. W went ahead and played golf all these times on the taxpayer dollar. No, he didn't. Donald Trump had all these things out there on the taxpayer dollar. No, he didn't. Joe Biden did X, Y, Z on the taxpayer dollar. No, he didn't. And anyone that says my hard-earned tax dollars went, they're lying. They're either stupid, uninformed, or lying. Take your pick, but it's one of the three. Stupid is most people. Uninformed is some people. A liar Unfortunately, a lot of the people at the top, okay? And there is a lot of these elitist level kind of headline activists, headline organizations, headline YouTubers, things like that, that repeatedly say this trash, repeat these moronic comments. And they institute by extension, a false narrative that literally pollutes your and my world to the point where we don't believe we can do nice things because we're terrified of the national debt. 
We're terrified of deficits. We must reduce the deficit. Oh my God, the debt ceiling. See how they've got you locked in this idiotic thinking? But ultimately, all the ticky-tack, deep well kind of, well, let's talk about the kind of modeling we'd need to do to be able to figure out how much space is available in the economy. These are important questions. But they're not questions at the activist level. They're not questions at your my level. They're questions that impact policy and the average voter still believes that their hard-earned tax dollar is paying for someone's abortion or their hard-earned tax dollar is going to pay for the military industrial complex. And so what do they immediately do? Their asshole puckers up. They immediately think we got to reduce spending, raise taxes to finance these things because they haven't gotten it through their fucking head. That that's wrong. It's bullshit. Now, one of the things that really disgusts me, you know how many people out there are struggling right now. You know how many people out there are really getting slammed by the freaking ridiculously frigid temperatures right now. You are, I'm sure, aware of how full all the different um, shelters are. I'm sure you're aware of how many families are struggling. And then they still act. They still act like we've got to, we couldn't do the good things for those people because we spent money on the military, which is a lie. Do you see why that's such a corrosive lie? They literally allow these people over here to die and make you believe that the only reason they die is because we spent money on the military. We should not spend money on the military, but for a whole host of different reasons. We should not be an imperial power for so many different reasons. But that said, saying that we could not fund every student's lunch in schools across America with a fully healthy, fuck organic for all I care, lunch is a lie. The only thing that would prevent that is that there's not enough real goods and services available for purchase. It has nothing to do. The federal government spending on Ukraine has nothing to do with the federal government choosing to spend on tax breaks for the wealthy. As much as I hate that, the ability to spend on the people is always there. What is not there is the reality. And the reality is, folks, we live in a captured world. We live in it with a government that is captured by big interest lobbyists. The parties are full of shit, both of them, Republican, Democrat. And then Greens are busy chasing shadows chasing ghosts with false narratives about the national debt and all kinds of other moronic things. Unfortunately, they have rendered themselves absolutely economically illiterate. Listening to Howie Hawkins the other night, I realized that he still puts that taxpayer money out there, still talks like the same exact way, even though he's heard from countless people and read the deficit myth. He still says the same dumb AMI Green Party approved garbage. The same Green Party approved garbage, trash, monetary reform, trash. That doesn't mean that we are not simpatico on 98% of the other issues. The problem is the money issue, not getting understanding of taxation right, not understanding how it works is a sign that they're not fit to govern. If you don't know how it works, you aren't fit to govern. And the people we have in office aren't fit to govern. They're not fit to govern, folks. A lack of an understanding of what the tax is for and what we could do renders a person unfit for service.
unfit for public service. And yet we keep putting them in there. Modern monetary theory. Modern monetary theory. All right, folks, listen, I got four minutes to jump over to Jen Perlman. So if y'all want to catch me on generational change, I'm going to go over there and talk about the omnibus bill. So without further ado, I am going to let you guys get off here. And I hope that I do a decent job over there because, folks, I cannot stand talking politics. I really can't stand it. I want to talk revolution. I want to talk about organizing. I want to talk about understanding the world we're in and not faking like Joe Biden's a good guy. I'm tired of people doing that shit. I'm tired of people faking like the Democrats are okay. Tired of all that bullshit. But you know what? That's the world we live in. And unfortunately, folks want to talk about that shit. So here I go. See you later, folks. Out. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org.